EIU Panthers podcast keep rolling along into its third season. I'm your host, Rich Moser. This week, we visit with another of the Panthers' new head coaches as we sit down with head swimming coach Jonathan Jordan. Jordan was hired late in the summer and hit the ground running in EIU in early August. He has had a couple of previous head coaching stops and last fall had the unique chance to serve as an Olympic coach for the team from the Marshall Islands. Jordan talks about his coaching experiences, what brought him to EIU, and how he is adjusting to meeting many of the Panther swimmers for the first time in the coming days. Season 3 of EIU Panther Podcast is underway. You can listen to any of our current podcast or archived episodes by searching EIU Panthers Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite shows. We're available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart Podcast, and now Amazon Podcast. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Panther Athletics. Want to learn more about broadband for your home or business? Then visit Consolidated.com today. EIU students are returning to campus this week, and the Panthers women's soccer team will be the first to venture into regular season action as they host Valparaiso in Purdue-Fort Wayne this weekend. EIU volleyball will host an exhibition match on Saturday against Missouri-St. Louis. The EIU football season is just weeks away from the 2022 season opener at Northern Illinois on September 1st. The home opener is September 10th, with season tickets and single-game tickets available for purchase by visiting eiupanthers.com slash fbtickets. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers Podcast with new swim coach, Jonathan Jordan. Hey, welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. We're joined now by Jonathan Jordan, one of our new coaches, the head swim coach here at Eastern Illinois. So, First of all, congratulations and welcome to Eastern Illinois, Jonathan. Thank you. I appreciate it. Excited to be here. Now, new swim coach for the program, but not new to the area. You were at Lincoln College for the for the last couple years, and unfortunately, they decided not to not only not have a program, but not have a, a university. So I, I'm I'm sad for you that you lost that opportunity, but but happy here. So I guess how does how did that process work I've, I've never been through university closing before <laughs> yeah I, mean, I think the writing's kind of always been on the walls um you know we've struggled the past couple of years especially because of covid um you know just numbers and finances and that sort of stuff so i think we've, we've always kind of known it's a possibility i think it's still kind of a shocker when we found out um the last day in may um i'm sorry march that we were closing our doors but you know, at that point i was trying to find homes for the students and make sure they had places to go and then you know, kind of turn to ourselves and figure out what's next and what are we going to do and started looking and luckily the Eastern Illinois job opened up and figured it'd be a good fit and, you know, I enjoy the area and I enjoy Illinois, so perked opportunity for me. Now, Lincoln, not very far from here, different different setups. I have been to, to Lincoln's pool, very similar to Padman Pool. People that haven't been there, it's kind of an enclosed, older space. You wouldn't even know there's a pool in the building if you if you drove by it on on campus. You've only been here, you know, a week or two. What have you kind of maybe just noticed in similarities between the programs that will help you when you're kind of get getting going here? Yeah, you're right. I think the pools are very similar setup. You know, both are six-lane, 25-yard pools. Um, you know, pad events taken care of really well, and, you know, it's been updated and modernized, and, you know, I think we've got a lot of good things going for us in the facility itself. Um, you know, athletes size of team wise very similar so you know running the multiple practices and you know splitting the team up and make sure we have our strengths again very similar so you know, i think a lot of stuff we were doing at lincoln we were able to bring up here to eiu and 
make a successful program. Now, you talked about the fact that when Lincoln closed, you guys had to find places for athletes. Are any of those athletes by chance at Eastern Illinois that were now, it just is fortuitous now that you were their coach there and now you're their coach here? I, I don't know all the new new faces we have this year, so I, I may be surprised if we have some Lincoln kids. I do know that we have some Lincoln kids that transferred over. I think admissions yesterday told me there was 10 or 11 that came over from Lincoln, which is great for Eastern and great for them. Um, you know, we're going to try to get a couple of my swimmers over here. It may be a spring start date just because of timing and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, hoping to get a few over here as well and, um, you know, can you coach in some of those athletes. Now, at Lincoln, you guys, and this is something that I had to go back and double-check because I was – it's happened during my time being here at Eastern and it happened in your time being Lincoln – they were started as a junior college, and not anything derogatory by that, but moved to being a NAIA school, so a four-year program, which means they elevated their athletics in addition to their, their academic stuff. What similar, you were there during some of that process. Yeah. What was that like in terms of that grassroots jumping from two years to four years? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a challenge. Um I was at South Dakota before that, and that's when they went from D2 to um, D1. So kind of got some use to some transit stuff early on in my coaching career. Um, but Lincoln was actually, it started out as a four-year college, and we always had four-year degrees. Okay. We were just mainly focused on the two-year side of things with two-year athletics. Okay. So the academic transition was actually pretty smooth and pretty easy. Okay. Um, at the same time, you know, our athletes were always saying, well, I wish we could stay for four years. Um, where we were farming them out and moving them on. I had a couple kids come up here as well. So the athletic side was definitely a change, and NEI was definitely a change. It's kind of the Wild West of uh, <laughs> athletics and swimming, but, you know, it was a great experience. Now, you talked about NAIA from that standpoint, not jokingly. They, it, it's different than the NCAA, and part of that is the way the rules are in terms of the types of kids that you can get in, maybe the aid that, you, that you're allowed to give them. What similarities maybe in the type of athlete that you saw at Lincoln, is that maybe the type of swimmer you're able to go for here at Eastern, or is that something you still kind of have to evaluate? Yeah, I, mean, I think for the most part, very similar type athletes were recruiting in. Um, you know, very similar recruiting pool and that sort of stuff. You know, Lincoln was a little bit more international heavy than what okay. we might be here, but Death hoping to get some of those international connections to come here as well. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully we can build on that and bring them all over. Now, you talked about a little bit of recruiting base international there with the NAIA, and I know I, I, I said that jokingly, and the fact that NAIA seems to be able to get, there's a lot more international flair, and part of that is maybe, I don't want to say lax, but a little bit different admissions policies in terms of making them eligible to play athletics. Have you kind of developed what you think a recruiting, I guess, philosophy base is for, for you when you were, were looking at this job, is it? Club teams in Illinois, club teams in the Midwest. That what what's kind of maybe your philosophy there? Yeah, I think definitely club teams on the mid in the Midwest. Um, I think as we all know, unfortunately, Illinois is kind of a shrinking state yep. as far as the population goes. Um, you know, we've got some very strong swimming in our neighbor state, Indiana, Missouri, um, up to Michigan. You know, very strong, and a lot of those athletes are looking to get out and go elsewhere too. So hopefully, we can bring some of those athletes in from the clubs. You know, help boost the numbers of Illinois and also, you know, kind of help grow our outside population in the state. You know, one of the great things about swimming is that they tend to be pretty strong academically. So that definitely helps us on the recruiting side of things and, you know, scholarship opportunities from academic merit and that sort of stuff. Now, I, I mentioned club, but club isn't the only place people swim. They, all, they also do swim in high school in particular, as you found out here in your first few days. 
Eastern Illinois shares its pool with the local high school here. So the local high school team does swim here. Are high schools an area where you also would recruit from, or do you feel like swimming is really kind of club-based like some other sports in terms of where you need to look for your athletes? Yeah, I'd say 10 years ago, I think it was a good balance. You know, athletes were doing both high school and club. You know, it kind of seems like as we've moved along, more and more and more of like your lead athletes start to focus solely on club and you know they may do a little bit of high school but they're really focused on that club side of things you know i think the high school side is really important because those that are just club athletes come over to us and all of a sudden you have to be part of a team and not that club's not a team but they focus more on the individual side of things than what the high school does so i think that well-rounded athlete that's doing both is really important and that's somebody who you know we're going to put the top of our list before just a club or high school only type swimmer Okay. The other thing you mentioned earlier is at Lincoln, you guys were able to have international swimmers, which I thought was interesting in the fact that you haven't publicized this a lot. And, <laughs> and, I, and I think it was ironic that you didn't. And maybe, it, maybe it's because of the, the odd situation in which it was, is the fact that you are an, a, an Olympic coach, not a U.S. team Olympic coach, but you were, had the opportunity with some international kids from Maldives, I think, or uh, Marshall Islands, Mar- Marshall Islands. Yep. Um, which is down, I had to look it up on, on the map. I thought I knew world geography, and, I, and evidently I don't. Um, it's down kind of in the, in the South Pacific. I guess explain a little bit about that experience, and then we'll talk about the Olympic experience as well. Yeah, so I was at Iowa Lakes for a couple of years, um, and while I was there, they had a program where um, mainly Australia funded it, but okay. they called the Oceania um, Olympic Scholarship. So they would send athletes over to two-year schools to – you know, help make sure they get educated and then have the opportunities to go back home and bring some education with them. Um, Jordan Harris from Marshall Islands came over and um, he was already Olympian for them in London. We trained him to go to Rio. Um, he moved to Lincoln with me and we trained. Um, and during that time, got to meet one of his teammates, Colleen Ferguson. Um, so she ended up coming and swimming and trained with me too. And then I got to go with her to Tokyo. Okay. Um, 2021 was really 2020, yeah. but you know, it was all that COVID mess. Um, but yeah, it was exciting and a great opportunity. And, you know, it, it was definitely something that most coaches don't get to do that I truly enjoyed. And it was an amazing opportunity. I guess talk a little bit about that experience. We had a, a former Eastern Illinois athlete, Lauren Doyle. She was on the U.S. Olympic rugby team she's been on in Rio. So we had did some stuff with her then and then interviewed her twice around Tokyo, the the going up to and then COVID shut everything down and then we talked to her when they actually got to go in 21. I guess a little bit what was that ramp up to the 20 and then you find out you don't get to go and then it comes full circle a year later. Yeah I think it was it was really hard. Um, yeah, we also one of her teammates um, Philip Kinono he was he was actually living with me at the time and just training going into it and he got there literally the day um, everything shut down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for him and Colleen and everything was going great. And then we still thought we were going to go. So we were still doing doubles and triples and they were working hard. And then all of a sudden, like you said, they got that notice that it's not going to happen. And Mm -hmm. it it may happen the following year. We're not entirely sure. Um, You know, what do you do? Colleen was at that point in her career where she'd already graduated college. Mm -hmm. She was a trained train do you train for a whole nother year? Do you put your life on hold? So it was a lot of difficult conversations trying to figure out what's next. And I think it was really mentally difficult. I think on all athletes yeah. who've trained their whole entire lives and all of a sudden, what's next? What do we do? Um, you know, luckily she decided to go 
um, still and push for another year, but it was tough. And I think it was tough on me and it was tough on my family because there's a lot of commitment too yeah. with the training and the travel and that sort of stuff. And it was definitely worth it in the end. Now, do you, you mentioned that. Do you feel like, and I, I guess somebody at some point time down the road will do some research on this, maybe it's down the road. Were there a good number of athletes, do you feel, that maybe didn't, that qualified in 20, that maybe didn't go in 21 because they were in that situation there where they had gotten to the peak or the end of their career in 20, and they're like, I really can't do this for a whole another year. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure the exact number. I mean, I do know a few swimmers that just kind of said, enough's enough. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> we've waited too long. There's, it's, we're not sure we're going to be in the same physical condition yeah. a year from now. We're just done. And I think you have to respect that, too. I think, I think it's tough. And I think we don't realize the toll that some of these athletes put on their bodies. And to ask them to train another year, this may not be physically doable or mentally doable and that sort of stuff. Now, you guys were able to go there, and I know – you talk about people think things were locked down in the U.S. I, I, from afar, I could tell, like literally, you couldn't go anywhere. It seemed like in, in Tokyo. So, what was the experience? I guess still like even though the even though you were limited as to what you maybe could do and and the people maybe you could even be around. Yeah, I mean, I think it was tough because literally we could go to the village, and we could go to the aquatics venue, and that was literally it. Um, so you're kind of stuck in what you get to see. You know, unfortunately, it's. Yeah, you can see a little bit of Japan as you yeah. travel back and forth on the bus. I mean, cause it was about a 45-minute travel from okay. the village to the, the pool. So, yes, yeah, so you got to see a little bit of the countryside. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, didn't really get to see Japan. We got one night um, in the hotel with our federation, so a nice Japanese dinner. But that was truly about it. Um, you got to go see the torch on opening night. And, again, that was that. Was that. But, you know, the village was great. The village was set up really well. Um, you know, they had the shops and they, um, you know, we had, we had great food, great dining services. And I think the Japanese people did a great job too of lining the streets and still trying to support, even though they couldn't spectate, but they still kind of supported the athletes in the way they could. And that was good to see. Now I'm embarrassed to ask this question because I don't even know one that it happened because I know for sure I didn't watch it. Was there an opening ceremony? And if so, did, did you guys get to participate in that and then... If you got to participate, what was what was that experience like? I'm, I've I've heard from people I I know that have been to it that that's like the crescendo moment for somebody to walk into the stadium during that. Yeah, so we did get to participate in opening ceremonies. Um, I think I would agree with that. I think that that's the Olympic moment, right? I think that's what everybody thinks about and dreams. I mean, yes, the competing was extremely important, and it was great to watch them swim and race and be there for that. Um, you know, but walking in just. Everything just kind of melts and happens. You know, you do so much to get there, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in this big stadium, and they're calling the country, and it's extremely exciting. Everybody's happy to be there, and yeah, it's definitely emotional. Now, for you, well, is this an opportunity with those athletes now that you're still at Eastern Illinois, or is that have have their has their moment, I guess, passed that 2024 may not be an option for them? You know, we we had talked about. It. I think 2024 is probably not realistic. I think. They're both in a place where they're ready to be done, and yeah. um, they've taken time off. And who knows? Maybe that yep. could change <laughs> a year from now or two years from now. Um, but you know, I think, like I said, I think that whole break and taking one more year was just tough on them. And I think they're ready to live their lives and enjoy the real world a little bit. 
Now, you mentioned earlier in our, in our podcast here that you kind of got your start at, at South Dakota. You were an assistant coach, a graduate assistant there. How to kind of maybe take people through how you got in, into coaching, kind of what what gave you the bug to kind of want to get into this? Yeah, so, I mean, in college, um, I swam two years at Albion College. Um, kind of gave it up after there, um, just some injuries and that sort of stuff. Just didn't feel like it was worth moving on. Um, also played water polo during that time. Um, just loved sport, loved athletics. Went to school actually to be a lawyer. Um, <laughs> kind of graduated, but <laughs> yeah. I can't sit behind a desk. That's just not who I am. Um, so, you know, started looking at what I had been doing, kind of been helping to some club teams, um, do a little helping with the high schools a little bit, and kind of decided, well, I think coaching is the way I want to go. Um, applied for some graduate assistant programs. I got the opportunity to go out to South Dakota, spent two years out there with them, and again, kind of went that transition from D2 to D1, which is kind of an exciting time for the university and the athletes and that sort of stuff. Um, graduated, got offered to start a program at a community college, Iowa Lakes, figured, who gets to be a head coach at 23, 24? Yeah. So, <laughs> bit off probably more than I could chew, but went out there. It was a great opportunity. Um, spent some time out there, and then Lincoln had opened up and had talked that AD a couple times, and I knew that they were transitioning from that JUCO to NAI, so figured another great opportunity to kind of get back into the four-year side of things, and then uh, the rest is all kind of history. Now, for you, you talked about you swam. I know kids are, I don't want to say they're specialists. They, they swim in a lot of different events, but if you had to, what was maybe your, your specialty or your event that, that you kind of swam in when you were a swimmer? Yeah, so I was a distant swimmer and backstroker, um, so the 500 thousand the mile um two back which is kind of the odd event but it's kind of good yeah. some, some stroke every now and then when you're going up and down the pool nonstop all day now I, I ask that because as a coach then do you feel like uh, i guess a coach is a master of all strokes there's only four strokes really in in swimming but do you feel like you're stronger coaching a certain stroke because you 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 swam it yourself you know, I when I was at South Dakota, I was that was their distance coach, um, and that's what I loved, and I thought that's who I was, that's what I swam. You know, and then over the years, I've kind of transitioned to be more of a sprint and uh, mid-distance coach, and I truly enjoy and love coaching sprinters and mid-distance swimmers, and not to say I don't like enjoying coaching distance swimmers, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's, they're all so different, kind of yeah. like you said. It's um, I just enjoy the personality and the energy that sprinters bring to the side of things, and yeah, that's kind of where my love is right now as far as coaching goes. Now, when you're looking at the team, you guys, um, South Dakota, you mentioned you were there. They're in the Summit League. You guys will swim against them when you go. It won't be until February when you go to the, the conference meet. Is the coach who hired you, are they still there? Will you have that relationship and be able to kind of reconnect with them when you guys go to the conference meet? Yeah, Jason and Anthony. Jason's head coach. Anthony is the uh, associate head coach. They're both still there, um, so still have that relationship. I think one of the great things about the summit is that, you know, it's kind of where I was raised. I feel like as a coach, and so you know, a lot of those guys that I was working around, even from other teams, are still around, and you know, they've been reaching out, and congratulating me, and I'm excited to work with all of them again and see them all and connect. And I think it's a great opportunity. And then I, I, I segue to the the schedule here. I've got a. It's got lots of crown marks on it. If if you could watch our our podcast visually, you would you would laugh at the the amount of colors we have on the schedule that Jonathan and I have kind of been through here. Is what what has maybe been the thing you've had to hit the ground running 
when you come in. I mean, the schedule has got to be near the top of it. <laughs> yeah, I think schedule is probably the top. I mean, where are we going? Who are we competing against? That's the uh, that's number one. You know, luckily I came in and most of it was set in stone. There was a few tweaks here and there that we've obviously had to make. Um, you know, that that's definitely number one. I think number two is just the practice schedule. You know, working with the strength and conditioning coaches on when can we get in the weight room and when do we have access to the pool and. So that's definitely number two, and also look at academic schedules and you know when are they in class and that sort of stuff. So it was scheduling, put everything together, and you know trying to focus where we're headed and that season plan and meet with athletes, get to know them, and seeing what they're looking for and what do they want in a coach and what do they want in a team, and you know to streamline everything into this big visual plan. Now you talk about athletes that are coming in. I've seen a couple of the a couple of the kids are already up in the pool that are back here early. They live off campus, so they've got. Yeah just coming in really just to probably to try to start to get back into that that swimming shape because I'm sure that they haven't swam all summer even if they say they have or, or not to the extent they need to be from a from a competitive standpoint what it, what's been maybe your process in terms of you know getting to meet the kids I'm, I'm gonna guess that when they come in for the this first time in the next week or two will be the first time you've met any of them face-to-face. Yeah, so most, I think all but maybe one, I'll be meeting, uh, like I said, next week, Monday, or this week when they they start to roll into campus, um, as far as face-to-face stuff goes, but, you know, texting, group chats, phone calls, all that sort of stuff. I think technology is great nowadays where we can do some of that stuff. Had a couple Zoom calls um, with the team, which has really helped as well, but yeah, you know, I think hit the ground running on Monday and team meeting, individual meetings, and getting the ball rolling. Now, I ask that because you, 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 you've you been around swimming. I, I would think that Lincoln is an NAI program at the four-year. Not a whole lot different than maybe the the level of kid that you're recruiting that's here at, at Eastern Illinois. Were you familiar with some of the kids maybe that are already on the roster that maybe you somewhat recruited at, at Lincoln so you at least like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of know where they're at from a performance standpoint before you walk in? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, swimming's, swimming's a small world. Um, you know, one of the previous coaches, I know Evan pretty well, so, you know, we, we talked a lot about the swimmers and the athletes, and, yeah, you see them on the recruiting boards and the recruiting websites, and, yeah, you probably talk to a couple here and there. So, again, with swimming being small, it kind of helps with those relationships because you have an idea of who they are and what they do and that sort of stuff. Now, I don't want to say program goals, but that's how it's going to come out when I when I say it here is – Winning the Summit League Championship, I know every coach and every athlete wants to do that in reality with where we are compared to really the top one one team in the in the in the Summit League. That's not really a a realistic team possibility. What what are kind of goals for the team? Do you approach it as we want to score X amount of points at the Summit League or we want to have so many swimmers finish in the top ten during the season? I mean, how do you I guess define success for lack of a better term yeah, you know we've talked a lot about this year with some of the individual meetings i've already had um you know and how do we determine success this year i mean we, we've kind of already been dealt the cards and yeah. this is what we have and this is what we're moving forward with they did add two more pretty strong teams to the summit league so you know there's a lot more competition probably what there has been in the past but again like you said there's some very strong teams in the summit um so i think this year you know we're going to really focus on building that team culture and have a successful year individually so you know, what is success individually? Is it all personal bests? Is it placing top eight at Summit? And so, mm-hmm. you know, really going to gear towards success as an individual. I mean, yes, we want to be successful as a team, and I think but that will definitely come. You know, down the road, 
you know, I think next year we want to probably be top half. And then the year after that, we want to be top three. And again, I'm not sure winning is going to happen anytime soon. That's definitely a goal. Like you said, I'm a coach and I want to win, but you know, it's definitely going to take some time. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time, Jonathan Jordan, uh, new swim coach here at Eastern Illinois on our podcast and best of luck this upcoming season. Thank you. Appreciate it.